Long ago, God gave his people a leader after his own heart. They wanted a mighty warrior. God gave them a shepherd. But this shepherd would fell a giant, fighting fear itself. He was rewarded with the crown and comfort and brought prosperity to the land. He became complacent, impulsive. He would be consumed by anger, risking everything he had built. Well, good morning. Great to see everybody. Welcome to Seacoast this weekend and uh, glad to have you all. My name is Josh Surratt. If I haven't met you, I serve as a lead pastor here and excited to, to be with you this weekend. I want to welcome all of our campuses as well. We are so glad to have you all with us. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Pastor Roy Jakes. He pastors our Somerville campus and he turned 40 years old this weekend. So happy birthday, Roy. Uh, Y'all up in Somerville need to be kind to him, treat him well. And uh, also our Asheville campus, uh, we did an experiment last year, (coughs) excuse me, throughout the summer. We did a campus up in north of Asheville. It's Wolf Laurel up in the mountains. It's beautiful up there. And so we're launching that this weekend. I don't know why I'm getting choked up about that, but we love you in uh, Asheville and all of our campuses. We're glad you're here. If you're on the internet as well, we are excited to have you. Uh, I was getting ready to leave my house this weekend to come preach, and my three-year-old daughter, Ellie, said, Daddy, are you, are you going to preach? And I said, yeah, babe, I am. And she goes, well, I need to tell you something. I was like, okay, what, what's up? She goes, it's a secret. So, okay, so I come into her, and I kneel down, and I'm trying to get out the door, and she goes, Daddy, whatever you do, don't yell at them. It's like, uh, okay, all right. So I'm gonna try not to yell at you this weekend. I can't make any promises because our topic is anger. And so depending on what happens during our time together, if I get upset, I might yell at you. But would you agree that uh, everybody's outraged these days? Uh, anger's kind of at an all-time high, especially in our country. I was reading an article this past week, uh, Time Magazine. It was written a couple of months ago, actually during the election season. And it was making a case that there's never been a time in our country where anger has been more on the rise. Uh, Everybody's outraged. You you had Bernie Sanders' campaign uh, that was kind of tapping into this anger that that, that, the the Democrats were feeling. And then you had, of course, Trump's campaign that was really built and tapping into this anger that that the Republicans had. And so everybody's got this this anger about different things. In fact, the, the article linked to a couple of different groups that were angry. Did you know that vegetarians are angry right now? Apparently, one of the main farmers that was a supplier for them became a meat eater, and that was just, oh man, they were outraged. They were upset about that. And uh, you know, in Mount Pleasant, for those of you at this campus, there's a principle at work in our town that once you move to Mount Pleasant, you then become outraged that anybody else would wanna move to Mount Pleasant after you. It's like the line is right there. As soon as I got in, we're done. We're closing the door. If you're trying to move to Charleston, uh, you're outraged at the cost of living. You're mad that it's like, man, it's just crazy expensive to live. There's, there's anger, outrage. In fact, I was shocked to hear this, but even knitters are outraged right now. Like knitters, you know, like literally the, uh, apparently what happened is they had an organization, like a, an event every year called Ravolympics. And it was the ultimate in knitting where they would find out who the best of the best athletes in this field are. And they got a letter from the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, a cease and desist letter because they were infringing on their copyright. And knitters are outraged. They're mad. I understand. You know, apparently, some of you guys are angry as well because 
We're in a series right now, and if, if you missed last week, and I encourage you to go back and pick it up, just to kind of get a feel for where we're going, but we're doing a, a year-long series called Year in the Word, but we're in the middle right now of a little mini-series that we're doing called Anger, or called Goliath Must Fall. And it's based on this book that was written by Louis Giglio, fantastic leader, and I sang to you last weekend, kind of sharing how it came to be, and many of you have asked me to join the worship team uh, after that, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to take all the limelight and let them do their thing, but... But, but what we're doing is we're talking about these different areas. The big idea of the series is that when you look at the story of David and Goliath, which we read during our reading last week, uh, we often put ourselves into the story as David. But what if we're not David in the story of David and Goliath? What if Jesus is David? And what if Jesus has already done all the work that needs to be done to slay these giants in our lives? And so we ask you to give us feedback. What do you wanna see go down? What giants do you wanna see fall in your life. And, and so you guys gave us some feedback. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a clue about where we're going. Next weekend, Pastor Greg is going to talk about the number one thing that came on the crosses, which was anxiety and fear. So next weekend on Father's Day weekend, we're going to talk about that. How do we see anxiety and fear fall in our lives? The week after that, we're going to talk about addiction. Many, many people in various different areas said, hey, I've got an addiction and I would love during this season, during this series, to see that addiction fall in my life. And so we're gonna get into that and, and really explore how do we do that. But this weekend, uh, we're gonna cover something that many, many, many of you put on the crosses at all of our campuses. It was represented uh, everywhere as anger. We, we, we're dealing with anger. Many of us have this, this issue of anger that's, that's surfacing in our lives. And you know, it's, it's perfectly fine to be angry. Angry is not a sin, or anger is not a sin. Uh, anger in and of itself, Jesus was angry at times. If you remember, he flipped the, the, the tables in the temple because he was outraged. God was angry many times throughout the Old Testament. Anger is not a problem. But often if we don't handle our anger properly, it can become sinful and it can, it can really begin to do damage in our lives. Look at the first verse on your outline sheet. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. It doesn't say don't be angry. It says don't sin by letting anger control control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry because anger gives a foothold to the devil. Saying, if you're still mad about something that happened in the past, then there's a principle that begins to work out in our lives. The principle is that we open ourselves up to letting the enemy, letting Satan get a foothold in our lives and eventually our anger will begin to control us. So anger is not the problem in and of itself. It's just that if we're not careful, anger will control us. A couple of stats for you. Did you know that um, the average man loses his temper six times per week? The average woman loses her temper three times per week, which may mean that men have a bigger issue with anger, or it might mean that women are better instigators. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of what I tend to think. Some of y'all getting mad at me. That's good. We're kind of surfacing what we're going to talk about. Get you primed and ready. But, but, but anger can become a problem, and it's usually if we don't deal with it quickly. Think about uh, the, the work refrigerator. Do you guys have a refrigerator, the place of work that you, some of you guys have like the work refrigerator and know the issues that go with that. A lot of fights break out around the refrigerator at work. And, and so we have one at Seacoast. And what happens is if you're, you know, doing the right thing, kind of Dave Ramsey, you're trying to eat healthier, you pack your own lunch and you put it in that refrigerator and then you eat it. Or maybe you go out to lunch, and like I do occasionally, you order a little bit more food than, than you can eat. And so you take the leftovers and you put them in the fridge. No big deal. 
Problem happens is if you forget to get them out of the fridge, right? Couple days goes by, all staff email comes out. Hey, whoever had Chang's the other day and left it in the fridge, could you please dispose of your, your leftovers because it's starting to smell bad? And then if you don't deal with the, the leftovers in the next couple days after that, then the next all staff email comes out and it's all caps. And it's help, like something died in the refrigerator. Somebody needs to, you know, we don't know what it is, but something has gone terribly wrong and we're either gonna have to get rid of the whole thing or we're gonna have to need some help getting it cleaned up, right? All because somebody didn't deal with their leftovers properly. And that's what happens with anger. When it becomes a sin, when we allow it to control us, it usually means that we didn't deal with some leftovers properly. Rather than kind of every day going back to it and, and processing it, we've allowed some things to spoil. We've given the devil a foothold in our lives. Some stuff's growing on it and it begins to, to impact not only our own lives, but it begins to surface itself in our relationships and we begin to have these outbursts or lose our temper and all of a sudden we find ourselves being controlled by anger. And it's no wonder that Proverbs says this in Proverbs 25, 28. It says, if you cannot control your anger, you are as a city without walls, wide open to attack, wide open to attack. As we kind of jump into this to process this together, where, where are you dealing with anger in your life? I'm hopeful that the Holy Spirit will kind of surface maybe some anger issues that you might be facing because there may be some areas where you're vulnerable right now to the attack of the enemy, where you, you've kind of given the enemy a foothold in your life. I'm hopeful that as we kind of dive into this together and we're reminded that it's not really us that's gonna muster up enough strength and kind of find the willpower to overcome, we're gonna lean into what Jesus has already done. The, the Goliath's already been slain and we're gonna lean into that and experience victory over it and see anger fall in our lives. If we're gonna do it, there's a few simple principles that we gotta do. Number one, we have to discover the source. Discover the source. You know, counselors will tell you that anger is almost always a secondary emotion. In other words, there's something underneath that. There's something, an underlying reason that we find ourselves getting angry. And very often, in fact, in most cases, the incident that maybe caused the outburst isn't actually the root issue at hand. You know, we think about the story of David and Goliath, and I don't know if you've read the story, but if you haven't, I'll kind of break it, uh, ruin it for you. David wins, you know, he's the underdog, and I think, think we're all probably on the same page with that. But, but David, there's several different people that have anger that we see within this story and around this story. Um, Saul has anger, we'll talk about that in a little bit. David probably had some righteous anger. I mean, in, in slaying the giant, he was angry that this giant was defying his God. But there was, there was an older brother. When David came onto the scene, if you'll remember, he came on and he started asking questions and his older brother kind of had a bit of a temper tantrum in the middle of the story. I wanna, I wanna show it to you. It says, when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. And some versions of the Bible give that a little bit more of a, um, uh, 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 intense emotion. Uh, he, was, he boiled over in anger. And then he just goes off on him. He's like, what are you doing around here anyway, David? 
Well, actually I'm here because dad told me to bring you food, like if you wanna know the truth, but, but why are you here? Well, you're not even supposed to be here, he demanded. And he says, what about those, not just what about those sheep, but you know, he's an older brother and he throws a jab in there. Don't you have like a few sheep, like a couple that you're responsible for? Like, what about them? You're supposed to be taking care of them. And he doesn't stop. He's like, I know about your pride, by the way. I know about the, the issues that you've got. You think you're hot stuff. You think you're the man. And, and while I'm at it, the deceit, you've lied. You know, I can remember some times that you've lied. You've got pride, you've got deceit. You just came to see the battle. He just spews out all this anger on his brother. And David does what I know I've done as a younger brother. He says, what have I done now? Like, come on, man, what's, what's the issue? All I was doing was asking a question. Just asking a question, man. Like, whoa, that's a lot. So there's something going on there. A lot of anger there. Would you agree with me that probably there was more than just a question that David asked that caused that anger to burst out of his older brother? Probably some underlying issues. You know, we could assume that that's the case, but thankfully, in this case, we actually know that some things happened earlier on in their lives that apparently Eliab didn't really deal with properly. And many of you have seen this scenario play out in your life. You know, in your marriage, you just made one comment, asked one question, and it's like, whoa, you know, like, I, 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 I didn't know that it was gonna cause that. Usually there's some stuff going on underneath. Look at what happened one chapter earlier in the Bible, and you guys may remember the story, but David, actually Samuel was sent by God to David's home, to David and Eliab's house, to, to discover who was gonna be the next king of Israel. How many of you agree king of Israel is a pretty big role, pretty, pretty big responsibility? And, and so if we look back at that story, it says when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, the oldest brother, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Put yourself in Eliab's shoes. I, I'm gonna be the next king of Israel. I, I mean, I, I can't even relate to that. I don't know what he must have felt, the responsibility and you know, the, the, the excitement, the, the vision that he had for his life. I'm gonna be the next king of Israel. He's the oldest brother. That's what makes the most sense. And I don't know how long he was able to process that. I, I don't know how long he knew that Samuel was gonna come to his home and how long he knew that he was probably the front runner for this job. But I imagine there was a lot of hope. There was a lot of excitement, anticipation about this. And it, he's gonna be the next king of Israel. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. I have rejected him. Now, who could blame him for being mad about that? Who could blame him for being disappointed? You know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I can imagine that in his life, man, I'm gonna be king. And then to know that the Lord has rejected me, he's not called me to that. Now, I don't believe that the Lord rejected him as a person. He just said, this isn't the role that I have for you. This isn't what I'm gonna do. And, and in this case, a lot of times when doors close in our lives, there are names associated with that too. She's maybe the one that broke up with you. You thought that that was the one that, that you were gonna marry. And, and so not only did that door close, but there's this name associated with it. And in Eliab's case, the name associated with it is 
David. Maybe he said, you're the reason that I'm not king. And, and so he's disappointed. And I think when we look ahead to the next chapter and David just asks a question and Eliab goes off on him, it's a pretty good indicator that he hadn't fully processed that, hadn't fully dealt with the disappointment in his life. There's something underneath the surface. What's causing your anger? Have you thought about that? You looked into what might be the source? A couple of ideas for us. I mean, hurt causes anger. Probably the most common thing that causes anger in our lives. You know, think about a hammer and a nail. Many of you have done this. You're out working on something and you hit your, your, your thumb with, with a hammer, right? And what happens? Initially, you feel intense pain and then you start cussing. Uh, actually, not this church. That's other churches around. We, we don't do that here, right? You know? but, but what, you have hurt and it's immediately followed by, oh, anger, you know? And it, it, it leads to anger. And, and some of us have experienced hurt in our lives. Maybe it was a failed relationship. Did you know one out of three people who've gone through a divorce still feel intense anger 10 years later? Hurt can cause anger in our lives. You took my reputation or you, know, you robbed me of, of my, my prime years of my life or maybe an authority figure abused you or mistreated you or talked down to you and there's all this hurt that if we don't deal with it, becomes anger in our lives. Uh, it can certainly be frustration can cause anger. Some of you experienced that at this campus in the parking lot on the way in, on the way out. I know as a parent, frustration can just, oh, you know, you wanna control those kids and you know, when they're little, they're easy, you put them in the same place and they stay there, and, but then they grow up, right? And you take them to a restaurant and they realize they've got all the power. You know, it's like, oh, just frustrating. Definitely that can cause anger in our lives. Sometimes it's insecurity can cause anger, jealousy, somebody else gets the promotion. You know, we look at King Saul, that's definitely an issue for him. He sees David step into this moment and he just burns with, with jealousy over him and it ultimately destroys his life. All kinds of things can cause anger. You know, you think about if, if you got a glassy pond, right, and you throw a rock into that pond, you're gonna see ripples, right? And the ripples are gonna be proportional to the size of the rock that you threw in the pond. Well, when you know you've got an anger issue is when the ripples are way out of proportion for the rock that went in the pond, right? If, if there were huge ripples that came, you would go, oh, that's probably not just that rock. And, and, and so it's important to discover what is the actual source of your anger. Lisa and I had a, a financial meeting this week, and we try not to do that too often because it most often leads to what we Christians like to call intense fellowship in our home. You know, we, we have a little, little fighting that comes with that. And, we both tend to be spenders, and so when we've got goals and we wanna go after them, we gotta kinda meet and talk about it, and we were doing that this week, and Lisa made a comment to me while we were sitting down talking about it. She said, we just are not good at this in our lives. And I don't know why, but all of a sudden, I kind of came back at her, and I was like, really? We're not good at this. You know, we got a, a house that we love, and our bills are all paid. We've got money in the bank. We, you know, do you, you don't love this, you don't like our life? Like you, if you wanted to marry a CPA, you could have done that. But I think we're doing just fine with what we got. 
She was like, whoa there, cowboy. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what's going on with you, but I, I wasn't trying to insult you or say that you're not providing or, you know, and it was like, man, there was something that came out. What was it for me? It's none of your business. I'm working on it with Lisa. We'll, we'll get through it. <clears throat> but you just need to know that a lot of times, in that case, the rock was dis disproportionate. She didn't say anything that would warrant me to respond in that way, but man, it was like, wow. And some of you, have, you've dealt with that in your life. You, you've had these outbursts of anger, and you're like, man, I don't, I think there's more going on there. Before we can really see Goliath fall in our lives, we gotta discover the source. We gotta do some work there. Is it maybe one of these things, hurt, frustration, insecurity? Maybe it's something different. A door closed for you. You've blamed somebody for that all of your life. When maybe at the end of the day, that just wasn't what God wanted for you. What's the source for you? Once we've discovered the source, we gotta develop a battle plan. Develop a battle plan. What might life look like for you? Well, maybe you would consider adopting the, the, the battle plan of the great theologian, Daniel Tiger. Check, check this out. When you feel so mad that you wanna roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Come on, that's good stuff right there. When you feel so mad, you wanna roar. Take a deep breath and count to four. When I was a kid, we had to count to 10. I don't know what's wrong with kids these days. They can't even get to 10. It's like, you know? But, but we gotta come up with some kind of a plan because if we don't, we're gonna say something. We're gonna do something. Some of you are on the, the Mark Twain plan. He said, when angry, count four. When very angry, swear. Some of you, that's your battle plan. Yeah, but if, if we don't have a plan, then we're typically gonna say something in our anger. The Bible says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. In other words, we gotta have a, a plan. Otherwise, we're gonna do something or say something that we regret. You know, when you, you speak when you're angry and you will make the best speech that you will ever regret, would you agree with that? Gotta come up with a plan. What are you gonna do with your anger? Some of us have righteous anger, Sometimes we get angry about the same things that God is angry about. That was David in the story of David and Goliath. He was angry, but he was angry because God's people were being held back by fear. And so he acted righteously. He did what God had called him to do. And, and if you're angry about something that God's angry about, I'd encourage you to do something about it. That's part of why we're building a building here at Mount Pleasant. It makes me mad that the biggest congregation in South Carolina still belongs to the enemy. There are more people that don't go to church than do, and, the, and there are people that are, that are desperate to, to know God's love for them and God's truth in their lives, and so we're gonna do something about that. There's righteous anger, but most of the time, when we're really processing anger, it's not righteous anger, it's, it's sinful anger. We're angry because something's happened to us, something's affected us, and, and that something wasn't necessarily a sin, but we've, we've let it hang around. We've let it kind of add some things to it, like rage and your hatred even. It's like, man, we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta have a plan. We gotta do something with that. What do we do with that? Can I encourage you, maybe step one of your battle plan is just simply to own it, to own it, to go, you know what? I, I know that I was hurt and maybe that wasn't your fault. It probably wasn't. But we, we can't control what happens to us, but we can be responsible and we are responsible with what we do with that. 
Yeah, people who have anger issues always have a story. You know, if you, if you knew my side of the story, you would understand why I lash out. And it's almost like our story it becomes an excuse for why we behave the way that we do, for why we lash out or lose our temper or, you know, say things that we regret. The problem is, if you've sinned in your anger, God can't heal an excuse. God can't help you clean up an excuse. You know, God can, can heal and forgive confessed sin. We gotta be willing to own it. Say, so you know what? I've harbored something. I've not dealt with something properly. I'm gonna own it. There's nobody that can own it other than me. Another thought is a, a, maybe a part of your battle plan is just confess it. Confess it. We talked about this last week. Sin loses its power when we just confess it. Say, hey, I'm struggling here. It's been so encouraging to me this weekend. I've had several people that have come up between services and just said, hey, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm owning this for the first time. I'm confessing this. And, and we experience the principle that is laid out in Proverbs. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. And that applies to anything. Anger, whatever you might be dealing with, we confess it, it loses its power. And then ultimately, forgiveness has gotta be part of the battle plan. Gotta learn to forgive it. I'm not gonna do a whole message on forgiveness, but a couple thoughts. It, it doesn't always happen overnight. You know, some of you have battled this and you've, you've kind of wrestled with forgiveness and it's like, man, I, I thought I forgave them, but I still deal with it. And forgiveness is a choice that we make and we make that in a moment, but we're gonna have to remind ourselves of that choice in some cases every single day. Every time we're reminded of the hurt, gotta go, no, 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 I've forgiven that. I've, I've relinquished my right to get even there. I, I love what C.S. Lewis said right before he died. He said, I think I have at last forgiven the cruel schoolmaster who so darkened my youth. I had done it many times before, but this time I think I've really done it. Like you gotta remind yourself over and over. I bet if he lived much longer, he would have had to do it again. But it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't mean that we have to forget it. Some people kind of have misguidedly said, hey, just forgive and forget. You know what? I would never seek to minimize the pain that you've gone through in such a way to say, just forget about it. You're, some things you're never gonna forget, but we have to remind ourselves over and over again, I, I forgive that person. Gotta discover the source, develop a battle plan. Last thought for us, surrender my weapons to God. I've gotta surrender my weapons to God. See, this is where we go back to this main idea of the series. Jesus has already overcome. It's not about us taking out revenge, doing our thing. We gotta surrender our weapons to God. We entrust ourselves to a God who judges justly. You know, a couple chapters later, it's a really powerful story that happens. I wanna, I wanna show it to you. If you did your Bible reading this week, you probably read this story, but what happened is David, right? He's been anointed as king. He stepped into his moment, slayed the giant. And you would think that this is where things start getting good for him, but it doesn't. In fact, for years, he begins to experience immense amounts of pain in his life. And it's all traced back to this one guy, King Saul. He gets jealous, he gets angry, and he, he literally tries to kill David. And he begins to pursue him. David runs. Now David's literally, he's homeless. He's hiding out in caves in Israel. And I wanna show you what happened in the story. It says, so Saul chose 3,000 elite troops. So think special forces, 
Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, like the, the best of the best and, and from all of Israel. And they went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. So they're, they're on the hunt. They're gonna find him and they're gonna kill him. And it says, at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. See, in the Bible, it, it accounts for natural things that happen, right? He's gotta go to the bathroom. You may wonder, well, was it number one or was it number two? I can't say for sure, but I would assume probably the latter because he could do number one without going into a cave. So he's gotta get some privacy here. He's gotta get into a place. And it just so happens, just so happens that David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, this is so unlikely. There are so many little caves. In fact, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, you know, in this past century. For, for almost 2,000 years, they were un discovered. I mean, there's so many different holes and caves and places in southern Israel, especially where this was happening. And it just so happens that David's hiding out in the very same cave. So his men are like, hey, David, now's your opportunity. Like today, the Lord is telling you, they get even, even kind of give the motivation to God. The Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with you as you wish. So David's been called to be king. He's currently homeless. And the only thing standing in the way of him becoming number one is to take out the guy who's doing number two. That's, that's the scenario. It's, it's set up perfectly for him. This is your moment. And, and look what happens. So David, he, he crept forward. He cuts off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him. In other words, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him says, hey, this isn't your place. This isn't your place. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one because the Lord himself has chosen him. He's got his moment for revenge. He says, that's not my place. That's not my job to get even. So it says, David restrained his men and he didn't let them kill Saul. Can you imagine what would have happened if David would have done that? I, I, I don't know, it's speculation, but I would argue that he wouldn't have been the king that we know him as now. He would have began his reign as king in division. There would have been a divided country and it would have been chaos because he would have been grabbing hold of something that wasn't his to grab hold of in the first place. And the reality is the weapon that we need to surrender is revenge. And you know what, David, again in that story, modeled what Jesus ultimately did for us. Because you know the reality is that none of us in this place or at our campuses, if we've committed our life to Christ and surrendered our life to him, we will not get what we deserve. It is God who judges justly. It's not our place to take revenge. Romans 12, we read that again this week. And it says, dear friends, why don't you read this out loud with me? Never take revenge. All right, I don't think Columbia did that. The Gamecocks fans, come on, do this with me. Never take revenge. It doesn't say most of the time don't do it. It doesn't say in all cases except the most severe. It says never. It's never our place. It's never our role to take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Guess what? God's anger is righteous, and when he judges, he does it rightly. When we do it, we do it 
out of our own pain and out of our own hurt and we're, get, we're not gonna see things the way he does. It says, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Relinquish our right to get even. Surrender your weapons to the Lord, lay it down. When you do that, God is able to right the wrongs. It sounds unfair, doesn't it? I mean, really? Josh, do you know what they did to me? They need to pay for that. Somebody needs to hurt like I hurt. The problem is if you live your life trying to right all of the wrongs, you're gonna be an angry person. You're gonna be frustrated. You know, I hear about things like the terrorist attacks that happened in England in these last couple of weeks. And it's like, man, righteous anger wells up, right? I mean, why? Somebody needs to pay for that. I wish I had an opportunity. You know, and of course, I realized fairly quickly that that's not my place. It's not what God's called me to do. And thankfully, God has established governments that can take care of things like that. Ultimately, it is God's responsibility to bring about revenge. So I'll stop and I'll kind of remind myself, pray a prayer, something like, God, I'm gonna let you settle the score. Please do it quickly and severely. But in the meantime, I, I, I relinquish my right to get even. And it's fairly easy to do that when it comes to incidents that happen far away, people that I don't know. But when it's my own stuff, when it's people who've hurt me, it's a little harder. But I wanna invite you to come to that place where you say, God, I surrender my weapons. I'm giving up the right to get even. I'm entrusting myself to a God who judges justly. You know, he's fully capable of doing that. I wanna invite you to reflect one more time. What's, what's that thing that you're angry about? Where do you need to surrender your weapons? As I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded that it's the same sun that shines on both wax and clay. You know, God is shining a light this weekend on our lives. And the same sun shines on both wax and clay. And obviously with wax, it becomes soft, moldable, pliable, where he can turn it into something useful. But with clay, when the sun shines, it hardens, right? And it bakes it and it becomes a brick. And I'm praying that as the sun is shining the light on anger in our lives, that we would choose to take the, the way of the wax. Don't harden your heart. I think about Saul. Saul ultimately became hardened. Brick after brick after brick. Moments like this where we can process and surrender, where we go, no, I'm not going to. Ultimately, they create walls that distance us from the people around us, from the people that love us, want to help us. Or we can become like wax. You know, I think about Eliab and the story of David and Goliath. You know, I believe that ultimately he dealt with his anger because we'll find out in future chapters of the Bible that Eliab became one of David's mighty men. He began to serve in his army. He became a, an ally. And I believe ultimately he processed and understood that David was the man that God called to be king. What are you gonna be this weekend? Are you gonna be brick? Are you gonna be wax? Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. 
I just pray for our church at all of our campuses. God, I thank you that there's not a single one of us that when we've surrendered our life to Christ that we're gonna get what we deserve. I thank you, Lord, that you have judged justly. Jesus, I thank you that you modeled this for us. You surrendered yourself to the cross. You could have done it differently, but you chose to take all of the anger, all of the wrath that's associated with our sin. You took it upon yourself so that we wouldn't have to experience it ourselves. Would you help us to do the same? Lord, those of us that have been forgiven, Lord, let us live out that forgiveness. So God, I just pray, Lord, where you've surfaced things this weekend, that we would respond to you as our church and that anger would fall this weekend. That for some of us, for the first time in a long time, we're gonna release the anger. We're gonna release the hurt. We're gonna release the frustration, the disappointment. And we're gonna see you do a miracle in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.